Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. This is Flint Dilly, and I really enjoyed being on the Knowing is Half the Podcast. That's my real voice. Welcome back to the show, you guys. I'm Ray of the show. So what happened here is the show. Okay, here's the thing. We just started a Boardwalk Audio, so if you're new, this is not representative of a normal uh, Knowing is Half the Podcast. Normally, we watch the cartoon, and we talk about it, and we're out, but we uh, oh, we're, uh, for... Rise, uh, rise, repent, or arise. We are getting special guests for each and every episode. We're bringing them in, uh, in particular with Buzz Dixon, who was the story editor for the show. He has all sorts of cool, uh, insider information about the making of the show. So we went off on wild tangents and it took much longer than, uh, uh, our normal episodes. It was roughly the length of two episodes. So yeah. we cut it into two episodes. Sure. So this is part two. Mm hmm. Um, and if you just want uh, light banter about the cartoon and uh, no additional information, go listen to one of our uh, reg- uh, normal episodes. We've got a full season's worth of them. Uh, but if you're a G.I. Joe fan and want to hear the real deal, uh, this is part two. Uh, go back to listen to part one, uh, which we dropped a couple days ago. I highly recommend an episode called The Games Master. Ray, you're fired from this job. Wow. Chan, Chan has been voted in. That was so informational and so dry. Mm. It was like leftover Thanksgiving turkey. It was like actual oh, sentences. Delicious. Yeah, it made uh, sense and people understood from actual it. actual words. That's not how people want their information. They want <laughs> idiots. That's why I'm here. They want it backwards like that Memento movie. There you go. So anyway, guys, uh, this is part two of Buzz Dixon, so enjoy. Um, so Sergeant, we'll cut back to the Joes right now. Sergeant Slaughter's begged to train us, even though he's got misfits to train. General Hawk's like, Slaughter, we need you, brother. Get on board. Let's do this thing. And he's just like, mm, okay. And then we get, like, my favorite quote of the episode. I'm pretty Chan. sure I know what it is. Oh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Give your hearts to America, Joes, because your butts belong to me. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's a dream. It. I love it on so many levels. <laughs> We've also established that in previous drawings, there are a lot of sweet butts drawn mm. on these car- on, the, on these cartoon characters. Mm. And he's he, they, he belongs to yeah, all of now them. They, his, yeah. his job is to whip those butts into better even, shape. Even better shape. Are. Better butts. <laughs> so early day starts. So what is it, like 5 in the morning or something? Uh, he said, oh, 630. Okay, so 630 in the morning. I didn't write it down. Uh, and he says, everybody's up. Everybody get running. I know you're groggy, but I don't give an F. Let's make this happen. Mm-hmm. Hut two. And then he's like, oh, by the way, General Hawk, last I checked, 
You're a Joe too. He's and Hawk's like bemused. He's like, yeah. you know what? Okay. Yeah, he likes it. He was ready. I think I think in the back of his mind he thought that maybe was a possibility. He just wanted to see how far Slaughter was going to take it. Yeah. Um so they are all, you know, they're all going at once, you know, they have a little running montage, a little training and mm-hmm. then he's just, you know, I, I really liked it when he was just like they're better. They're not perfect. Yeah. But they're better. Mm-hmm. I that that had meaning to me. I was just like, you know, okay, I see the progress. Let's make this happen, you know. Uh so you know, that was also one of the things that I, I had missed in the Joes up to that point, which is you spend your time in the military constantly training. Mm-hmm. You don't just hang around the barracks waiting for something to happen. You're, you are out there drilling. You are, are um, you know, beyond maintenance and stuff like that, but you're, you're doing mock missions. You're, you're getting out on the firing range. You're constantly keeping your skill level up because literally you do not know what skills you will need and um this was one of the things that i i thought was missing because basically prior to this every time we saw the joes they were they were either in the mess hall or they were playing ping pong in the orderly room and they you know you you got the idea they were just sitting around waiting for cobra to do something Mm -hmm. and i wanted to show that there is actual training going on that you you have to maintain that skill level that's fair yeah because that's not i mean usually the one episode we saw wild bill uh just watching tv yeah that's how he found out cobra took over he's just like i was watching springer (laughs) (laughs) there it goes so okay guys big plot point right now the secret meeting of cobra this is where it happens right here wait did we skip over the part where uh someone trash talks uh sergeant slaughter and says, if you're so tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, we skipped over that. Please, Gina, talk yeah. us through that. Uh, who, who is it? Who's the character? Uh, it's I don't Beachhead, know of course. Okay, it is. Oh, Be- Leatherneck, Beachhead. Wetsuit, Beachhead, and uh, two other guys. Uh, one of them says, if you're so tough, why don't you prove it? And then they all try and beat him up, and he easily dispatches them. <laughs> With wrestling moves. I kind of wish he had just been like, you mean prove it like other than when I just killed all those robots? Five <laughs> <minutes ago?" laughs> yeah. Like, prove it other than that? <laughs> when I saved you guys from battle? <laughs> Remember how you were shooting at them, and yeah. then I punched them and they exploded so <laughs> no you're right i probably have a lot to prove to you yeah <laughs> right yeah. now but no he's too cool for that he was like yep I'll prove okay it right now and and guys guess what when that battle started i had a good feeling I, they weren't going to go over on yeah him. yeah nobody goes over on the sarge <laughs> ever well, okay, it might happen in this series, but only once, well, and it was no a sh- very short-term period of time. <laughs> Nobody goes over. Sorry. He's like Hulk Hogan of the 80s. Nobody yeah. goes over. Yep. He will get his heat back every single time. Uh, but yes, that, no, you were 100% correct. I passed over that like a dope. Um, so how cool is it in the secret meeting of Cobra that the bug in the room is an actual bug? Yeah. I believe that actually was the first time I'd ever heard that expression. So I spent the many years of my life just assuming that, that whenever anyone talks about a bug, it's yeah, a bug. It's always well, been a, a robot surveillance device. Well, that well actually a the term a bug in the system literally meant a bug in the system. Oh. The very early IBM computers when they were like oh. room size <laughs> things and you you actually had people who had to go inside the computer to pull maintenance on them. You didn't oh, you didn't disassemble them. You had to walk inside. A cockroach got inside one of these things and shorted out uh one of the main uh you know things that they were main circuits. And they go in and they found this, you know, basically electrocuted cockroach had, had, you know, wrecked, you know, at that time, tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. And they called it a bug in the system. 
And it just, at that point, any time you had a glitch of any kind, people referred to it as the bug. And that's where it, it came that's from. fair enough. And so, of course, you know, Cobra Commander has a literal one. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, he does. Like, why on. wouldn't he? Hold on. Yes, sir? Are we just going to pass over the fact that Gina has extreme empathy for cockroaches now? Uh, listen, I, anytime, I an, not an, anytime an animal... Like, oh, that's not an animal, Gina. That's a cockroach. <laughs> Do I appreciate on movie sets whenever they have cockroaches, they actually have like real cockroach handlers show up <laughs> to make sure those cockroaches, those well-trained cockroaches, they don't do. get destroyed? They do. That's yeah. crazy yeah. to me. I mean, we if they were, want some. I, I know some places, old apartments, they can go to. My wife, my <laughs> wife, and I, uh, we went to Prague uh, for a for a trip, and we're in Prague, and they have a cafe Franz Kafka. And I oh, thought, do you really man. want to name your cafe after a character who's yeah. uh, after a writer whose most favorite famous work involves a giant cockroach? Oh. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is interesting. Well, it is hellacious getting a cup of coffee there, though. Mm-hmm. It's there's all sorts of bureaucracy. And it takes weeks. It takes weeks to get a cup of coffee. Oh, so you guys are all too smart for me. Uh, <laughs> So Dr. Mindbender gives his DNA speech. He reestablishes, I've had this dream. We're going to make a new leader. I've got this idea. We're going to make this work. And to cut to Cobra Commander listening in, and I think my favorite moment, I don't know if you guys picked up on this, in the room where Cobra Commander is talking with Scrap Iron, there are casual pictures of Cobra Commander (laughs) on the wall in, like, beach poses. Oh, my god! And they're all different. Like, he had this entire pictorial set That is so Cobra Uh, Commander. so him. That I I don't know who did that, but that was over at Marvel's side of things. So kudos to whoever came up with oh, that idea. It was great, exceptional character decision. Yeah. I would just say on that. So Cobra Commander, because he is Cobra Commander, and he's if he's going out, he's going out on his terms. Blows up the door to the room. Could mm-hmm. just open it and walk mm-hmm. in. No, yeah, that is not his style. Can we just say that uh, Doctor Mindbender's description of of who, what he wants to create is my exact uh, dating profile seeking can we, section? Can uh, we hear that line then, really quick? Unsurprisingly, <laughs> I want a little bit of Genghis Khan. <laughs> Military brilliance of Napoleon, the ferocity of Genghis Khan, the leadership of Alexander, the evil of Ivan the Terrible. Yep. So, well, Samir, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> It's an amazing guy we're talking about right now. Um, yeah, so uh, and 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 the thing happens in the scene that I, I assumed would have happened. Cobra Commander's like, "Okay, guards, I want you to shoot them." And in the back of my head, even as he says it, I go, "Wait a minute, the Cobra, the Crimson Guardsmen are the ones who run the Crimson uh, uh, Guard." The right. Crimson, yeah, yeah, and the Tomax and Zaymot, that they work for them. They don't work for him. Yeah. So when they immediately turn and put their guns on Cobra Commander, I'm like, "Yeah." You yeah. should have brought some soldiers or vipers or something. Yeah, like. they know where their bread is buttered. <laughs> These guys don't work for you. <laughs> uh, also, this is my favorite line of the episode. Um, in fact, I order you to create this perfect Cobra leader so I too may follow him to victory. Cobra! And uh, get someone to fix that door. <laughs> uh, just amazing. I, I have both of those things written down right yep. here because it, impactful. <laughs> Because <laughs> when Cobra Commander has realized he's been defeated, immediately he finds a way to turn it into a victory. <laughs> and he's much like you said before, much like Donald Trump, he's going to assume you forgot everything he just said mm-hmm. up to that point because your memory is a goldfish. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to say a new thing that now is the thing he's always been saying the whole time. It's like, yeah, and th- who who put this here? This door? This, this smoking door? Somebody... Yeah. <laughs> what a hole did this? Am I right? Somebody get on this, you bunch of stiffs. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah, I love it. And of course, Cobra Commander in the hallway immediately is just like, no, I'm going to take advantage of the situation. Yep. <laughs> That's what I do, Scrap Iron. I'm GD Cobra Commander. <laughs> uh, it's sort of what I'm known for always. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of a dope for even thinking that's crap. <laughs> and then also, is this the face of a patsy? As it turns out, yes. Yes <laughs> is the answer to that question, as we will establish all throughout uh, season two. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for the show we're going to be watching. <laughs> um, okay, so I, the Night Raven, the uh, Cobra Attacks. And I had a question about this right here. Because Cobra Attacks with the Night Raven, which, by the way, is maybe the coolest airplane in the history Hands of airplanes. Down. Hands down. And it comes with its own drone. And I remember mm-hmm. this vehicle playset. I just remember it's black and red mm-hmm. and it's streamlined and it's long. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I love it. Yeah. And then Slipstream beats it. And this is where I have written down. He's already a better pilot than Ace. Ace would have gone down the second the drone shot the missile at him. <laughs> and he might have still taken the jet down with him. But, I mean, he would Slipstream's like, actually, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> hey, wait a down. I could just pull up, right? Yeah. Oh, oh okay, neat. cool. There we go. I know more moves, solved. pull. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they find the Cobra message spot. And the question that I have is, is this a planted message from Cobra Commander trying to sabotage? Or did they legitimately... Like find him because it seems awfully suspicious they would send one night raven completely knowing G.I. Joe has surveillance over North America and they would come from the east coast and not down from the south because Zartan's in Louisiana so my question was is this Cobra Commander intentionally yes. uh, sending the mission or was it an honest to god mistake? No it was it was an intentional thing we we in the writing of the show I'll jump ahead because this was this ended up being a five-part miniseries. Mm-hmm. And it really should have been a four-part miniseries because if you, by the time you get to the end of it, you realize we are kind of stretching it out. The problem was we had more stuff in the first two episodes that needed to be covered, and we didn't pace ourselves well enough. Gotcha. We ended up cutting out a lot of little things, such as Cobra Commander doing that, that would have smoothed it over made it more obvious made it you know play clearer and then when we got towards the end we realized oops you know we've we're, we, we're done <laughs> we're done yeah we, we we end about like a half an episode too soon and yeah. we kind of like stretched out the very last episode um our that was one of the few times where our timing really got off on that and um it was just the heat of trying to do a five-part series and the movie at the same time, because okay. at the same time that was going on, we were also trying to figure out what um, Cobra Law was going to be all about and everything else. Um, I wish we could have had the time to go back and and finesse that a little bit, but you know it is what it is. It is and now we can clear up the thirty years yeah. later. We can clear yeah. up the because <laughs> I it, I was feeling it the whole time, but I just needed that confirmation just for me. This has for, been haunting you since you've yeah. been for ten, ten years old. For ten year old Ray. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so GI Joe has a meeting, and we don't really get to see a lot of these meetings because they must have briefing meetings and that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. So they're introducing like, okay, we found the big gold brick. We have a note saying mm-hmm. that like uh, they're being brought in for something. And uh, uh, here's oh by the way here's two more new characters Gina yep uh, Zartan's brother and sister Xandar and Zarana yeah again we met Zarana in one of the Find Your Fate books she played uh, Anna Raz oh yeah uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a Swiss television reporter yeah. Anna Raz yep. I said listen guys stop the tape this is Zarana I can go ahead and <laughs> it's just Zarana spelled backwards uh, and so yeah we have a mission we have a thing and so. Uh, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, he grabs a uh, beachhead and low light. I believe it was low light. 
And he says, yeah, we're in. You need three volunteers. Cool. We're, there's three of us right here. So cool. We're done. <laughs> he, he volunteers the other two. And they're just looking at him like, I'm not telling him no. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we get to – this is, uh, again, character-building moments. Yeah. This is one of – this is my favorite scene of the of this episode. It. I believe it. It's so great. Because the, uh, uh, the Dreadnoughts are recruiting new members. Yeah. So they've got – he's got Xandar, Zarana, Zartan. Mm-hmm. You've got Buzzer, Ripper, Torch, uh, uh, Inkin, Blinken, and Spot. Well, Nod. Nod. There we go. Wink and Blinkin and Nod. <laughs> yep. Uh, which Inky. I thought – was Pinky, Inky, Inky Blinky, Blinky, Pinky, and Clyde. And Clyde, yeah. And so, of course, we got to introduce some new dreadnoughts. And as soon as they introduce like the whole sweeping like group of of misfits, there's just like generic thug, old generic thug, uh-huh. other generic thug, and then super kitted out guy who looks like a real dreadnought. And then he guy all, who's yeah. South Australian. He, yeah, I. This is where I was like, isn't that guy one of the dreadnoughts already? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like. But also, I love the fact that they refer to this as an audition. As an audition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope you brought your resumes yeah. and your headshots. I've been to those catacalls. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For reality television, that's all you get. Mm-hmm. Where they tell you to fight to the death. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? In this town? Uh, so he says, he says uh, uh, okay, guys, just have a big fight. And whoever's left standing at the end wins. Monkey Wrench uses stun grenades like a G, wins the thing. And then Xandar suddenly pissed off. He's like, but he cheated. Yeah. It's like, you. What, I'm sorry. Did this no rules free-for-all brawl suddenly <laughs> piss you off when I use something you weren't expecting? Uh-huh. And then Monkey Wrench's answer is, is, is one of my favorite lines of the episode. Again, he says, oh, of course I cheated. That's why I'm perfect to be a yeah, dreadnought, yeah, you big yeah, dummy. Yeah. Oh, you nit. That was the line. Uh-huh. Just fantastic. And so he, they're ready to indoctrinate him in. And then Thrasher, who I identify with Thrasher a whole heck of a lot. And maybe that says something terrible about me. he keeps me. screwing up. Yes. Uh, Thrasher shows up and goes, I'm here for the fight. <laughs> And he's like, but the fight's over. He's like, yeah, that's my point. That's why I'm the smart dreadnought. <laughs> uh, I bring my, I have the thunder machine. I have my own vehicle. Which already has the Cobra insignia on it. Yeah. Well, yep, you know. You called a shot. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Gina. Dress for the job you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so- I think somewhere in the the series Bible, um, it referred to that vehicle as having been a Cobra prototype that he had somehow gotten his hands on. Oh, okay. So, but I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I may be misremembering, mm-hmm. but that that probably um, if it's if it's not, we'll just retcon it. <laughs> it is now. If it wasn't, yeah. Uh, so, what were these characters like for just writing for Monkey Wrench and Thrasher and pretty much all the Dreadnoughts? Because well, we like to joke over and over again that the Dreadnoughts are so incompetent. That's why they're always the ones being sent into space. Yeah, because Cobra Commander doesn't even want them on the planet <laughs> the the fun thing about the dreadnoughts is that you you cannot go too far with them Mm-mm. there is not a lot they're like the sarge uh insofar as the sarge <laughs> you can give the sarge anything to say and he delivers it with absolute conviction you give the dreadnoughts something to say it can be the stupidest thing in the world <laughs> and you go yeah they'd say that <laughs> they'd absolutely say that you know we uh, we had a lot of fun with those characters. The the <clears throat> there's a, a a saying I use about when you have a good mix of characters. I say it would it would be epic hearing these guys order breakfast together. <laughs> and oh the dreadnoughts are like that. I mean, I, I get that. Uh, I, that's a reference to Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, because Reservoir Dogs starts with a breakfast scene with all these, these characters sitting around, and you, you get introduced to them all at once. Um, it's the same thing with with the dreadnoughts. They they are just so flipping stupid, so strung out that they can't 
even sit in the same room without a conflict <laughs> boiling up. I mean, one of the I forget which episode it was, but we we and I I still get emails and letters from people on this saying they loved it. We one of our episodes we cut to the dreadnoks. There's this huge brawl going on. Breathmen, Candyman, Breathmen, yes. Candyman. Yes. Oh yes. man, that is that's cr- all it takes. That's all. I it takes. That's later in this season. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah that, that's all. It, yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, so uh, Sergeant Slaughter creeps up on them in the middle of mm-hmm. all this, this thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you get the quote for me, Chan? Because it's, it's probably my favorite Sergeant Slaughter quote, literally of all time. Uh, uh, when uh, uh, he he has a rhyming line. Right. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, come on. Tries to be roadblock for a minute. Puts there. his gun to the guy's head and says, At ease, disease. Make At like ease, disease. Yeah. Make like ice and freeze. Make like ice and freeze. I don't even care about that. At ease, disease is already, you've already won, Sergeant Slaughter. There's no need to continue the rhyme. You had me at hello. <laughs> at ease, disease is a thing that I used to say all the time in high school, oh, which explains this, a lot about yeah. me and my social life. This does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the the full phrase was it was actually something that it was was uh, I don't know if it was a military term, but it was certainly guys. I heard guys in the military use it, and it was like Eddie's disease. There's a fungus among us, oh, and uh-huh. for whatever reason, I guess maybe it just didn't fit. Fungus among us didn't fit for that particular scene, but you know, Eddie's disease seemed to be <laughs> the kind like of thing that ice and freeze the sarge would say. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it, man. Yeah, I just uh, yes. It's 100% something sorry because he said it. <laughs> uh, Zorana, the smart one of the, of the entire Dreadnought crew, um, so smart that she dates a computer guy. Uh, yeah, she, she ends up dating Mainframe later. That's oh, uh, one of the. So that's not really spoilers. even a spoiler. It's like literally uh, anybody who knows anything about either of those characters. So I just I don't hold you too accountable. <laughs> they absolutely have this like illicit romance that goes on that makes no sense, but then makes all the sense. <laughs> you know, uh, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, Zorana immediately is like, oh, this is probably a good time to burn this plan. Yep. <laughs> that they also had, meaning that this is the other reason why I thought the other one was a farce because they have the plan that had uh-huh, been intercepted. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You see, I'm trying to, I'm using that Sherlock Holmes up yeah, here, yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah. So she tries to burn it, but of course it gets stopped halfway through and Sergeant Slaughter gets the part where now they're going to go to the tombs and they're going to, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they don't know why, but they know they're going to go to all the great burial mounds of all mm-hmm. the, uh, now, um, these world leaders don't actually have burial mounds. This is creative license with history. If some, I'm some of them do. I mean, the, okay. obviously Napoleon has has his crypt. Mm. Um, we, I, I think, if I remember correctly, when we we suggested this idea, Hasbro said nobody from the 20th century and uh-huh. nobody that was connected with real genuine war crimes that anybody. Would be AKA just not Hitler. Right, right. Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Basically, that was it. No and you Hitler. wouldn't want to use Mussolini anyway, because <laughs> yeah. who cares about that guy? I was guy? really hoping Jim Morrison. Yeah. <laughs> With well, the musical talent of we, Jim Morrison, the the you know Flint Flint Dilly was was a uh, is a uh, you know um, uh, he's he's a classically trained scholar. I mean, he's very knowledgeable about this. And we had a conversation one time about Alexander's burial. And they basically um, embalmed Alexander in honey because honey will not spoil. I mean, it will oh. it will crystallize, mm-hmm. uh-huh. but it won't spoil. Mm-hmm. They embalmed him in honey, and I forget where they put the body. I'm under the impression that they they buried him at sea, but I may be wrong. But theoretically, you could find Alexander's body, and you could you could Whoa. recover DNA from it. 
Napoleon. You could you could theoretically recover DNA from that. Well, Buzz, uh, we got you a gift. Uh, can I open the closet, Chan? <laughs> Alexander the Great. Yeah. <laughs> we found him. Oh. That's why all those bees have been coming. <laughs> and we um, a lot of these characters. I mean, these historical figures. They do indeed have monuments. They do indeed have burial mounds that you can find. Wasn't day. Montezuma buried like uh, he wasn't even buried? He just left his skeleton on his throne. Yeah, and they just sort of like, yep, he's there. <laughs> That's not creepy. Yeah. No, no, nothing's creepy about that at all. Uh, so, okay, so Thrasher returns with the Thunder Machine, and he says, tell you what, I was going to come back here and kill everybody because <laughs> you pissed me off because the Dreadnoughts threw him in a lake mm-hmm. and then made fun of him. Mm-hmm. He gets thrown in lakes, lakes a lot. Yeah. Well, he's again, you can't be the smart Dreadnought without them all wanting to punch you repeatedly. That's true. Yeah. I mean, that's why he has to have a giant Thunder Machine <laughs> to protect him. He needs armored plates. Uh, so he just decides, hey... Um, I'm going to kill the Sergeant Slaughter over here, and that's cool, right? Then I'm in. Can I get the money then? That big $10 mm-hmm. an hour you'll pay me to be yep. in Colt Slither, the reunion tour? <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. So Beachhead uh, 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 um, and Sergeant Slaughter, and they run off into this dilapidated house and say, hey, this is our Alamo yeah. spot. This house looks like it's about to fall over with no one touching it at all. <laughs> and now it becomes a haunted ghost story. <laughs> Well, this is why Beachhead's only fourth on the command chain. <laughs> there were better places he could go than this one. Everybody here. hide behind that tree. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Beachhead. Better. Yeah, you're you're awesome. He's like the guy who knows what's wrong with everything but has no answers <laughs> for how to actually fix anything. Yep, yep. Therefore, the most annoying guy on the team. Well, there's there's a guy like that in almost every military unit. Absolutely. There's a guy who knows the rule books, who knows the proper way of doing it. But at the same time, doesn't know the real way of doing it, you know. And you, you, in the military, you come up with cer- certain situations where you recognize, okay, we're supposed to do it this way, but it's going to work better if we do it the other way. We, I won't tell the general if you don't tell the general. Okay, we're all cool. And there's the one guy who says, well, no, we really have to report to the general that we we didn't do it the way we were supposed to do it. We did it another. No, 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 we don't have to tell him as long as it gets done. That's it. The general really doesn't care. You know, I mean, I would fill out. It, we would have, uh, when I was in the Army, we'd have this thing called uh, CQ, Charge of Quarters. And that's where they take a, a low-ranking NCO, such as myself. And your job is to sit up all night and wait for a phone call that tells us World War Three has started. Oh, because, yeah. you know, if that happens, it's your job to wake everybody up. But it basically means you sit in the orderly room. And you're supposed to keep a log of everything that happens during the night. And oh, it's basically like... Another drunk came in, and you know, uh, running out of condoms. I don't know, really, because they would in, in in Korea to keep the VD rate down. Mm-hmm. The, there was like a whole drawer full of condoms, you know. And we used to use them as uh, chips when we were playing poker. So <laughs> we're playing poker, and we've got the condoms oh, out. And this this drunk comes in, and he reaches over and he grabs some, and they whoa, 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 those are ten bucks. And he oh oh, and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a ten spot. Got to buy one. Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, to be fair, that's the logical answer to that statement, yeah. for the record. I mean, because the boning's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. Um, but that's the end of the episode. Like, it, yeah. basically, the Thunder Machine is crashing in on this dilapidated house that is housing our heroes. Mm. It felt a little bit like an old serial in that way. Like, what will our heroes do next week? Tune well, into the shadow. Well, the the you know the the five part series. When you do it like that, then. Then yes, you absolutely do need to have a, a cliffhanger at the very end where where you don't know what's going to happen. You have to come back. I mean, 
we we spoke about the trader earlier, mm-hmm. and we had to end the trader on a note where um, you don't know what's going to happen now. They've you know they just rescued Dusty. Cobra just rescued Dusty, and you have no idea is is Dusty really gone over mm-hmm. to the other side? What what will happen? So you have to tune in for it. There you go. And as a five part, you got to keep doing it. It's like yeah, every episode yeah. of Twenty Four. Yeah, it always <laughs> ends with Is he a traitor? <laughs> Did he get shot? Guess you got to come back tomorrow, nerd, mm-hmm. <laughs> and make it happen. Um, also notable for this episode as we watched it is the PSA at the end of it. Yep. Uh, the PSAs are an important ingrained part of G.I. Joe culture yeah. that we haven't really done a huge amount talking about because only, I think, on one episode uh, did they actually put the PSA at the end of the, 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 yeah. the file. And so we got one here that we got to talk about. I don't know. Uh, 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 it's the PSA where the two kids are spraying a bike. In their garage with the garage yeah, door shut. Pr- yeah. They're spraying, like, the tire of the bike. I'm not even sure, like, these kids should be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they've been spraying so much they think that's a good idea. Because you don't spray the spokes, kid. That's not the part you work with. They want it to be uh, pretty. And the one kid's name is Ezra, which I thought was mm. strange. To say the least, and Dial Tone opens the garage up. Now, why he's got a garage door for this kid's house is anybody's guess. He's got, a, he's got an opener for everybody. He's dial tone after all. Yeah. Well, the, he, the sad truth is, and this will make people paranoid, the, the average garage door opener has like five settings. So, I mean, there's like five little slots, and you, you turn them on or off, and your combo is one, one combination of five slots either being on or mm-hmm, off. Well, that's... Mm-hmm. What it's about like twenty possible variants. Oh, that's not a, good a ton. Point. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, all you have to do is just have you know go out there and you know send out yeah that's twenty possible variants point. and you finally open somebody's door. I'm gonna go <laughs> robbing tonight, guys. Welcome back to miscreant behavior with Buzz Dixon. <laughs> We're talking about how to rob houses <laughs> <laughs> and who even locks that door between the garage and the house anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I'm depressed now. I feel like everything's <laughs> over. <laughs> Oh, Ray, you can't afford a house with a garage. <laughs> you know what? Hashtag real talk. <laughs> um, so, and then Dial Tone comes in and says, don't spray with the garage doors. Shut, you big dopes. Yeah. And then that's the end of it. It's a good lesson, though. It is a good lesson, mm-hmm. you know. Also, I didn't even think they were allowed to sell spray, though, to anybody under the age of, no, like, 16, right? No, this is the 80s, right? man. That's a, yeah, this that's is the, the 80s. It came, it came after that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because of like, this. Oh, kids are doing this as a drug. Well, but you, gotta, you, you don't understand how... <sighs> How demonized drugs became in this country in oh. the seventies oh, yeah. and eighties. Oh, I, I remember the eighties yeah. because you go back, you go back to the nineteen fifties, Archie's, and there are gags in Archie comics where Jughead is outside <laughs> of a classroom with a little one of those little suitcase stands that you know peddlers sell stuff. And he's got pep pills. He's selling <laughs> pep pills oh, in man. school. <laughs> and there's another one where he's uh, he's making an airplane with with literal airplane dope. That was a kind of like shellac. For <laughs> people who made flying models would put uh, cloth on the wings, and then they would to make the wings airtight would put this shellac on it that was called airplane dope. And so he's there with a bottle of open airplane dope, and he's just like out of his mind and imagining <laughs> himself as a World War One pilot. Uh, and there's there's um, there's a canon story in, in Archie from the nineteen sixties where where Betty is stressed out and she gets tranquilizers. Oh and man. she ends up like just doped out of her mind and she's passed out <laughs> on the nod and 
Archie and Betty are looking at it and says, well, I mean, Archie and Veronica look at it and goes, well, you know, that actually looks kind of inviting. And so they <laughs> pop them and they're stretched out too. Everyone's I on ludes. Exactly. Up until the war on drugs started, um, drugs were a bad thing, but they were not demonized. And when the war on drugs started, and, you know, I don't want to – get into a long thing here, but there were ulterior motives beyond just protecting people from bad drugs. That is correct. (laughs) Um, When the war on drugs started, they began demonizing everything. And as soon as the wrong people started enjoying a particular drug, it it Mm -hmm. became illegal. So uh, cocaine was perfectly okay up until the early 80s, and then all of a sudden, oh, no, 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 cocaine is terrible. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. We can't, we can't let people use cocaine, you know. And all of a sudden, it became demonized, and this happened again and again. Every time somebody would come up with it, you know, I'm not here advocating drug use. That's obvious, okay? Well, that's what these guys are for. That's what yeah. <laughs> But you have something like ecstasy, which is, is one of the most – difficult drugs to overdose on. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you really would have to just consume enormous batches of it to have a negative reaction. Uh, and, and you know, oh, exit, we got to stop the kids from using that. And it's like, this is one of the least harmful and least addictive drugs out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, we wouldn't want them on that. They might start being nice to each other. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we, we, I mean, seriously, if you were going to go after drugs based on the amount of harm, Alcohol. Tobacco. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tobacco is the number one one. Alcohol is bad, mm-hmm. it, but it's it's behind tobacco. And and then you drop down several notches to heroin and meth mm-hmm. and stuff like that because, you know, the fact that they are illegal and hard to acquire means that there are fewer people abusing mm-hmm. it. Prescription drugs are killing more people than anything else in yeah. the world. And yet, if you go in and say, oh, I'm feeling bad, well, you'll find a doctor somewhere who'll write a script for you. Especially here in Southern California. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, when, I, when I, we were watching the Super Bowl earlier this year, and there was an ad for a, a pill that helped you with opiate-based constipation, I said, where are oh we as a country God. right now that literally so many people are on opiates and can't take a dump <laughs> that the Super Bowl... Is is a wise place to put the ad for the solution to this problem. I remember problem. that commercial. Yeah, I was like, they know their audience. I guess <laughs> that's where it is. A lot of people not being able to poop out the chili that they ate today. I got to tell a terrible, embarrassing story real quick oh, from the man. early eighties. Right. I was like seven, six years, six or seven years old, and drugs were being so demonized, and they used to come mm-hmm. to our school. Yeah, the, the time, Dare like, program. Yeah, the Dare program, and they were talking about Daryl Strawberry and, and Dwight Gooden, the baseball players who did all the cocaine, oh, and about uh-huh. they were just being demonized right and left her and so drugs were just like i was ingrained into me at an exceptionally young age that if you try a drug once you'll be killed yeah which is probably why i've been never done a drug in my entire <laughs> life because i'm still terrified that if i ever if i ever smoked the reef one time i'd fall <laughs> off a bridge or something or my heart would explode but i remember being a kid and i had the the, the halls halls cough drops uh-huh. that you know made your throat feel all tingly and so i did one and then it and then i immediately did, took a second one and i freaked out because i was like oh no i'm doing drugs <laughs> And I ran and I hid under my bed with the pack, like crying. I'm like, I won't get into college now. Oh no! And then I kept doing them though. Never give it up. I ate the entire pack of menthol halls while crying, enjoying like I'm doing drugs. (laughs) And that's what the '80s did to us. This is this is the problem. I'm going to get off a little serious here, but this is the problem with 
the way the anti-drug message is presented. Yeah. In the 1960s, when I was about like 10 or 12 years old, there was Life Magazine, which, you know, if you're too young, Life Magazine was a weekly news magazine, oversized. It was like tabloid magazine size, just filled with gorgeous pictures. They, they would do photo essays on everything. They would do the news. It was a great magazine. Um, we have the Internet now. But they did an article on drug users, about heroin users, about sh- how you shoot up, how you get the spoon and the, 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 the cotton ball and all of this. And the pictures were probably and extremely well-framed. They were well-framed. No, you – this absolutely was the – you could use this literally as a how-to. Oh, this was the IKEA of drug <laughs> oh using. Okay, this is, like, this is how you use drugs, kids. And they were explaining. Jan, don't it. look that up. What too are you late. doing? Stop too it. Late. They were doing this as uh, this is this is how drug users get their high. And you know, oh, look at these people. They're in this basement, and they're they're using these scorched bent spoons to cook their drugs, and they got to soak it into the cotton and then they got to do it and i'm like 10 years old and i'm going hey that looks pretty cool <laughs> you know oh no man you know i wonder what it'd be like you know and and i had enough sense not to get involved in drugs you know i'm a juicer mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but um you know it made it appealing and you were talking about the dare program they yep. found out that the dare uh-huh. program actually got more kids to use drugs than than it prevented because you know, they were coming out, wow, these drugs are really bad for you. Mm-hmm. Look at all these famous people who are using drugs. Yeah. And it was like, you know, they, well, well, I'll give that a try. And this <laughs> is not to say people should, you know, go out and recklessly experiment. And it's not to say that all drugs should be easily available. I'm not – I'm certainly not saying that. But our approach to it has been completely wrong. It has mm-hmm. only increased the problem. Buzz, I believe abstinence-only education is shown to be 100% successful all the time in all mediums. So I don't you know. know what I'm going to tell you something about abstinence-only. <laughs> even, even the people who actually do practice, practice abstinence-only, there's like one big example of where it doesn't work. Mary, mother of Jesus, you know. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, I it's mean, a pretty classic example, yeah. Exactly, yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I, it's always amusing to me. You know, I'm a Christian myself, and I, I hear these people talk, Christians talking, well, a good Christian is abstinent. Hey, you know, it didn't help Mary any. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I thought you were just going to go for Bristol Palin. So I was oh, just, I was yeah. way off on that one. <laughs> no, no. I mean, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to jump on a, a person's personal life. Crystal sure. Palin, it's her own issue. But I do jump on people who point to their family and say, look how wonderful we are. Uh-huh. We're better than you. And I, I, I don't want to say I take what, schadenfreude, schadenfreude. schadenfreude yeah. at, <laughs> at them being called down. But I think it's important to note Every time you get a moralist out there hammering on something, you poke around long enough, there is something ugly. You hang around the right uh, airplane bathroom, and you will yeah. find Larry Craig hiding. You'll find that. You'll find with the, the, the Duggar family. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's okay. gross. Uh, you know, if the and Duggar, then he did terrible things. Yeah. If the Duggar family had come out at the very beginning mm-hmm. and said, you know, we are this nice family – we do have a problem, and we'll tell you about that. 
We'll share it with you eventually. Yeah. But we are a nice family. We overcame that. If they had said we had this problem and here's what it was and here's what he did, you know, then you would say, well, there's no, there's nowhere to go then. You've, you've yeah. come out and acknowledged it. But, oh, everything's perfect. We're so wonderful. We're this. We're that. We're the other thing. And you're hiding a child molester, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, then he gets caught. He, he confesses and it's the whole weepy thing. Yeah. And, you know, I as a Christian, I believe in people getting second chances. I believe in forgiveness. But I also want to say that there are some times when somebody does a specific thing, you have to say, all right, you have lost your privilege to have an opinion in this area. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. We will accept you back as a brother or sister, but you no longer – can say anything about this because you simply cannot be trusted anymore. That is correct. You know, and he goes out and does the whole weepy, I was a bad boy, but I'm not like that anymore. And then he gets caught on the, what was it, the Ashley Tate? Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison. Madison, Which, honest to goodness, people, now seriously, (laughs) did anybody not think this was a blackmail scam from the very beginning? Oh, Yeah. Did anyone not think that this was to get stupid people to give them money so they could be blackmailed in the future? Thank God I'm on there as a woman. Because, yeah. oh, I, I mean, think what? that there were, there were like only like two women on there. On the whole they, site of 50,000 people. Men. Yeah, I mean, and it's just... They were all in Canada for some yeah. weird reason. But I mean, and, and he gets caught doing that and, oh, well, now he's going to go and pray some more and he's going to yeah. have... He is going to go to a faith-based... Um, rehabilitation, rehabilitation. Or yeah, mm-hmm. no, no. The guy is is a problem, and and you mm-hmm. may, you, you know, we just don't need to hear from him again. Yeah, you you can go have a nice job being a night manager at a at an auto parts store. You know, you can you can be a security guard somewhere in the middle of the night guarding a warehouse. You know, you can do any number of things and be a proud supporter of your family, earn an income. We don't want to see your face on television yeah. telling us we're immoral. Yeah. Stop it. End of discussion. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and cut a huge round of applause in right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got my uh, vote. Perfect. Well, guys, that's on that note, we're going to uh, call it here for a Rise or Pentor Rise yeah. in what almost assuredly is a two-part affair. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but that's the best way to do it right there. You know, mm-hmm. why, why would you cut the meat out of the steak if it's a big steak? Mm-hmm. It's a good what? analogy, right, Chan? Ray. No, does that, what that doesn't. Does that a work? A steak is made of meat, Ray. That's all it is. So, but you wouldn't cut it out. You wouldn't put a ring mold on it and just like cut out the you know part of it. You leave all the meat on the you steak. You can find us online at <laughs> facebook.com slash knowing is half the podcast. Oh, we're we on have, Twitter as well, Chan. Twitter, sure. At GI Joe Podcast. Hey, there we go. You can catch me on Twitter. I'm <laughs> at Almighty Ray. I'm at 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And Buzz, where can they find you on social medias? You can find me on social media on Facebook as Buzz Dixon. You can find me on Twitter as Buzz Dixon Writer. You can find me on Instagram as Buzz Dixon Writer. Boom. I I put up silly little things two or three times a day. Yeah. Love them. We I, all I, love them. Okay. <laughs> I have uh, buzzdixon.com, all one word, is my website. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the next few weeks, we are going to be having a lot more information about the upcoming G.I. Joe novel, The Most Dangerous Man in the World. Yeah. And if you stick around uh, for the uh, the Know Your Joe writer segment uh, uh, for next week, or probably this week, if the if 
the math in my head is working correctly, then uh, uh, listen, guys, I promise, steak, not cut in half. Um, except I'll probably cut it in half. Anyway, the point is, we're going to be grilling you about this upcoming book, so be prepared with everything you're allowed to say about it, uh, because we'll be talking about you that uh, next. And t- until then, guys, um, anything else I can do to ruin the show, Chan? You've, you've done enough. <laughs> Good night! Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy, you gotta sink this putt to win. Or, I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, working actors, comedians, writers, stunt people, you get it, and we do it all over breakfast, or should I say, Breakfast. Every week is a new episode of Breakfast, and here's what you get. Inside Hollywood info, like how cool is it to act with Ed O'Neill? Spoiler alert, it's really cool. And what the heck is a gaffer? You get great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates like when should you go hash browns and when do you go home fries? I know the answer to that. Trust me, my pancake posse, my bacon brigade. Listen up, because breakfast is the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in, it's breakfast time. Breakfast with Brent Pope, available at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you.